sir. We promised you a great main event here tonight. WrestleMania! WrestleMania is running last. Cheap heat, cheap, 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 cheap heat. I can't say I meant to play this one. Oh, there we go. <laughs> no, 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 no. We are about to enter a new, new, new era of the show. I see. Uh huh. It hits different. It's insanity. It's pure insanity. It's professional wrestling. Mudge, our forever 24-7 champion. He's a great guy. Peter Rosenberg. Physically strong. A thousand percent. It is I. Shout out to that guy, Greg. Mudge. If you actually think it's still real to me, damn it. Welcome to the brand new box luster. Sweet Pete, Statless One, and the Majent Agent. What? What a week. What a week. How's everyone doing? Welcome to the world's number one sports and recreation podcast. I am your forever 24-7 champion, Peter Rosenberg, joining you from New York City. Beautiful fall day in the New York tri-state area. and nice, jo- brisk. Yeah, it's good. It's, but actually, no, here, I don't know about Philadelphia. Here, it's actually up to uh, going to 79 today. Wow. I don't think we're getting that high over here. We're still... Uh, I was just outside. It didn't feel like... But, you know, days like this, these autumn days, it's like you get one temperature in the shade. You get one temperature in the sun. Right. You know, but we're That's up right. here in New York. We're still hanging on to these real fall days. I got to give it up one time, you know. Shout out to Mother Nature because... So far, this fall has been actually very fall-like. I got to give credit where credit is due. I wanted an autumn. Shout out to Mother Nature. Yeah, you got to big up Mother Nature. Maybe I have a drop that's appropriate. I got to tell you, I am a breast man through and through. (laughs) Nope. Confirmed. (laughs) That's not what I thought. Hold on. Is this Dipperstein? (laughs) Have you heard this yet? The Kester drop? Is this Dipperstein? No. (laughs) Is this Dipperstein? (laughs) Anyway, shouts to Mother Nature, absolutely. SGG, we don't have a terribly long time today. Uh, I think it's going to be, though, a nice break. I think today will be a low-key show without a lot of fighting, although we had that last week. So it's two weeks in a row of low-key. I need everyone to appreciate that. So next week or the week after, whenever the smoke is back and everyone's fighting again, don't come to me with, can you guys... We're giving you two straight weeks of just calm, fun wrestling talk. Okay, everyone? And let's be real, too. Next week, the smoke most likely will definitely be back because AEW and WWE, the war is geared up for Friday. We have, well, we got two things. We have the war geared up for Friday, and we could potentially, depending on when we record next week, complicated part is I have a lot to do that day, including the kickoff show because i was going to say we could do the show during it'll be fun to do the show during the saudi show right during crown jewel crown jewel is going to end though by what three i think so right around three 
So, yeah, we'll see if we can get that in. And if not, maybe we'll do it Thursday night after Crown Jewel. But, yes, you're right. It'll be time for the new um, Raw and SmackDown rosters to take place. And also, so what exactly is the head-to-head of this week? So, so it's a little complicated, actually, because, um, you know, WWE and AEW had their schedules a little shaken up um, with various sports things going on. You know, there's a baseball game that moved WWE off of Fox. Sure. There was a hockey game that moved Dynamite off of uh, TNT in their normal time slots. So SmackDown is going to air on FS1 this Friday night. And I'm I'm assuming that because they were preempted, they took this opportunity to do what they're calling a supersized SmackDown and go two and a half hours mm. on FS1, including, um, I don't know if this was rumored or if this was officially announced, but including a commercial-free final half hour. Now, Tony Khan got wind of this and tweeted out, I saw you doing half an hour head-to-head with us. I can't wait to finally beat your main show head-to-head. It's been a long time coming. See you next Friday. Because, of course, Rampage starts at 10 o'clock on TNT, which would be their normal time slot. And so this will be the first time that a a main roster show and an AEW show is going head-to-head. For it's only a half an hour. So wait, so but, so the Super SmackDown is only a half hour extra. Yeah, it's a half an hour extra. So weird. But in response to this extra half an hour, AEW's been making their own chess moves because we you know they're not one to just. So what did they? What down. did they announce to open Rampage? That's the key, right? <laughs> they announced a CM Punk match to open Rampage. I'm going to find CM Punk versus Matt Sedol formerly Evan Bourne, to open Rampage. But also on that Rampage, they announced Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, and Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and Junior Dos Santos, and Ruby Soho versus The Bunny. But now the big thing, and I'm trying to find the card for this, is they announced also that they were going to do an hour buy-in on YouTube right before... Rampage starts. So AEW shows are actually starting at 9 o'clock. They're doing some on YouTube, some on TNT, but like I said, they feel very slighted by this extra half an hour of SmackDown, so they're they're not backing down. So normally Rampage is 10 to 11 Fridays? Yes. WWE decided to run 8 to 10.30. So here's the question I have. First of all, I would say I think they should come a little bit stronger if you're going to have a punk match. Um, not not from a good wrestling standpoint. That's a good good competition. But from a big name standpoint, you know, I don't know yeah. that that's the biggest they could have come up with. Just especially if, let's be honest, you're trying to pop a rating, right? Right. I mean, that's that's exactly. I might have gone like, you know, first time in 10 years, CM Punk versus Chris Jericho. You know, something kind of fun, um, a little more fun. Maybe people disagree and say, hey, this is going to be a better wrestling match. But if that's what you're trying to do is is make sure that you can compete with WWE. Now, you can. The fact of the matter is this. Well, So why would, let's start here. 
why would Vince McMahon want to add an extra half hour on Friday? Like no idea. I understand you're off Fox, which is a huge drop off. Like you have to understand. This is this is this is a one-on-one battle adjacent because <laughs> AEW is running in their regular slot and channel. Right. WWE yep. goes from Fox where everyone knows exactly where Fox is to FS1 and also they which is just a different 2 million guarantee 2 million views on Fox too. Yeah, basically it's locked in. Now, do we know the number <laughs> the last time they ran on FS1? The last time they ran on FS1. So basically when they go to FS1, it drops in half. The number Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh more than actually cuz I know there was they got like 700, 800,000 in FS1 at one point cuz they've been there a couple of times. Um I think the last time they were in FS1 was in December and they got around a million less than a million like slightly less than a million i don't have the exact number but it wasn't your typical smackdown numbers so i guess i just wonder why the extra half hour it's like you you know that it's going to be a tough outing because you're on fs1 if you add an extra half hour I'm just trying to figure out what the value is, like how that makes sense. Maybe it's just like the they have the freedom to do it, so why not do something special? Because FS1 doesn't care about their... Per- Let's be honest. Fox has baseball Friday night. They don't yeah. care. And by the way, not just baseball. Fox has the Astros and the Red Sox. It's a phenomenal <laughs> game one. Like just like... ALCS game one, right? Yeah, like there are only two series that can really capture my interest if if the if a New York team at this point isn't involved or the Nationals are like, I mean, the Orioles would never be involved, but if the Orioles were to be involved. <laughs> so the only series that can grab my attention in that way, there's a couple options as a casual baseball fan. One of them is Dodgers-Giants, which ends tonight. And not to say I've been locked into that series, I haven't, but I will be locked in tonight to game five. And the other one is I plan on watching every game of Red Sox Astros. I think that's going to be compelling stuff. Um, and and this is the other thing too, like as the MLB playoffs get closer and closer to the World Series, people get more and more interested. That is so. It's it, there are people who like don't give a damn about baseball during the season who are going to tune in to when they hear championship game, they're going to tune in. I. I definitely am going to lock in for Astros Red Sox. That means, though, all Fox Sports energies on Fox. So they probably said to WWE, "Hey, whatever you want to do on FS1, knock yourself out. I mean, we're that we. It's your channel. This is for your people that night. Whoever's going to come over and watch you specifically for you. So." Maybe they just felt they had the freedom to play with it, and so they said, let's do it. Maybe there's some sort of value add they're doing for advertisers. I don't know. But um, Nick Khan is taking his first ballsy real swing by announcing this is a one-on-one. Now, it's a safe Tony play- Khan. Uh, sorry, what did I say? You said Nick Khan. Nick Khan. Well, he's involved also, but it's not him. Tony Khan. <laughs> he is. He is involved on a different side. So Tony Khan has the opportunity here to say, let's 
let's play ball. This is a heads up one-on-one and we're going to beat you straight up. And he knows going into it and probably has done research. Here's what we do in our slot typically. Um, it's people know to find us there. Here's what Now, the numbers don't add up because I think Rampage only does around 700,000. And even WWE on Fox probably consistently does, on FS1, does still does over a million. So yeah, well, it's a bit of a risk. If I can interject, if I can interject really quickly Please. too, now that you bring that up. The numbers, the numbers side of it, it really, it really does make this a gamble for Tony Khan to be so open about it because AEW Rampage, despite having matches and good wrestling that people praise, when the numbers come back for the past seven weeks, they've broken their record. They've set a record low rating every week for the past seven weeks. So they're on like a downward skid right now. It could, it's possible that they could get a little bump from this extra interest in the war, but it is it is a super ballsy move to to after having just broken your record low for the seventh week in a row to turn around and say this is the week we're going to beat WWE head to head. And listen, I want to I don't want to say like, hey, Dip's not here, so this is the week we just crush AEW. Um, and and you know we we definitely wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't do that. I don't, I don't think, think we are, but that's how it's being interpreted anyway. But but let's, I just want to be honest with you guys. We speculated that Rampage. Everyone speculated Rampage was too much too soon. They come out of the gate, and on the second episode of Rampage, CM Punk comes back. Okay, was it second episode? That's right, right. I thought it was the first episode. It was week one or week two? Either way, it was it was very early. It was week way. one or week two. Maybe it was week one. They start in Chicago with CM Punk. They get by far the biggest number they've ever had. To be honest. I have not watched Rampage live at all since. Just me as an example. I have not been back. And and by virtue of the fact that SmackDown is the clear and decided A show of WWE. So if I'm watching live wrestling on a Friday, I'm watching the A WWE show, SmackDown. I want to see what Roman Reigns is doing. I want to see what Bianca Belair has been doing. I want to see all these different things. Also, if you do watch AEW, you just got finished watching. With the way we watch stuff on DVR too, you may you probably finished watching on Thursday. Your AEW, <laughs> yeah. So then you turn around and it's Friday. If a lot of times people are busy, they watch no wrestling on Friday. They try to catch up sometimes Saturday. If the yeah, first thing I was going to say too, that ten o'clock is like a tough time slot already. So now you're catching up over the weekend. By the time you finish SmackDown on delay. You got football on Sunday. Up, oh, didn't get to Rampage. So I think it's a really tough um, spot for them for Rampage to be successful. I respect the attempt to try to just go heads up because I enjoy the the battle. Like I I respect it from a just enjoying competition standpoint. My prediction, and I will eat crow next week if I'm wrong. My prediction is this doesn't work out well for Tony Khan this week. I don't think it will. Um, I think they're going to get, I think their heads up, they will not do great. Now, they may get a really hardcore response from their people. They may be counting on their people are really going to ride for them. But let's see, because guess what? As much as people love brands, the truth is all of us love wrestling. That's 
No matter how much you may love one brand and people are frustrated with WWE, so they went to AEW. The truth is they love wrestling. So if they're into the show, if if SmackDown is good and that final half hour is like a Brock Roman segment or whatever it's going to be. Put speculation that it's going to be um, Becky and Sasha Banks. Oh, the big, the Becky-Sasha match. Hmm. What would I do with the big heads up half hour? Would you rather have Becky and Sasha one-on-one or would you have a Roman Heyman Brock? The thing they're, is, but honestly, they're probably going to do both, though. They have, they can probably do both. You can do Roman Heyman Brock and let them talk their way through the top of the hour, like start at like nine fifty something, and keep going past to like ten something, and then immediately hit Becky's music. Yeah, you could do that. I just that's the I, other I thing. Just find, too. I, I just find people... the women, I find the women's story SGG to be a bit convoluted right now. Like they mm-hmm. they've really, they're really going. Um, you know it's. We're, we're just in this mishmash of Bianca and Becky into Bianca and Sasha. And and it's going to continue to be Bianca and Becky as they're both moving to Monday, right? Right. And Sasha's but staying the, Friday. And Sasha's going to Friday. Or staying right. on Friday, I should say. Right. And then there's the, the issue of the SmackDown Women's Championship, which is like, you know, Sasha's the only SmackDown wrestler fighting for that championship at Crown Jewel. So does she win it? Like, is that is their hand tipped in that direction? Or does somebody keep it and then Raw gets screwed out of a pick because someone they chose is going sent back to Friday nights to be with the championship? Yeah, that's 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 an interesting point, too. I just, in watching that match they had the other day, the tag match, I felt like the booking of Bianca and Sasha made Bianca look silly. Like I, I didn't I didn't love that. The whole back and forth at the beginning. Um of who's gonna start. Yeah, I just feel like Bianca Bianca's char- character right now I think is strong and popular. But I do think there are these moments where they have her play it a little silly. She's like so continuously naive, right? Like naive to Sasha coming back, naive to Becky coming back. And now when obviously her sights should be focused on Becky and and in this case a tag match with Becky and Charlotte she just like can't get it together and keeps fighting with Sasha which makes more sense yeah. for Sasha who's a bad guy so I don't necessarily mind her coming off as silly and focused on the wrong thing but I just don't love it for Bianca's character in in Bianca's defense with the naivete that's how baby faces have been booked in wrestling like always even you think back to the Hogan moment when Hogan when Andre shows up with Heenan. He's like, what are you doing with him? Is all he can say. Like, yeah, but what if he showed up again? We know what he's doing with him. But if it happened again three weeks later, I'd be really disappointed <laughs> if he responded the same way. Because that's basically what happened with Bianca. It's like, Sasha's back. Oh, she's my friend. No, she's not. Here comes Becky. Oh, she's my friend. No, she's not. When are we going to learn? You cannot trust these people, Bianca. You cannot trust these people. No. Um, but, but Monday, though, a thing that didn't make sense two things that didn't make sense to me with that with that match was the start and the finish because sasha's the bad guy if bianca wants to start the match and get herself beat up heading into crown jewel i don't see why sasha was so 
you know, why that's the true. two of them had to argue about yeah, who's going to start the match. Yeah, you'd actually maybe think, in your, let, to your point, it's more let of Let Bianca take the hit. Yeah, it's actually more of a babyface thing to, to do it, and then the heel move to sit back and say, hey, go ahead, have fun. Be a hero. Yeah, which is exactly what Charlotte did. Charlotte, there was there was no question that Charlotte was not was not starting the match. Hey, did you, hey, did, yeah, you get, yeah. did you get the sense during Raw this week? And we're going to roll into a preview here of Crown Jewel. There's obviously not a lot of AEW to talk about because the MB, uh, the return, not the return, the emergence of NHL hockey on TNT meant no dynamite last night. So dynamite airs Saturday. By the way, that's another reason the Rampage thing is weird because your A show is on Saturday. Yeah. And I know it wouldn't have made sense, but like in a perfect world, if you were going to go heads up against WWE, don't you wish it was dynamite? Yeah, the, exactly. It's your A show against their A show. But instead, because... now you have their, your B show and, and you, have to, you have your B show because Saturday night at another odd time, you have your A show. Yeah, which honestly, I would have given whatever was scheduled for Dynamite, I would have given that to Rampage. No, you know, or you could have done this, that. or you could have done this, a special Friday night Dynamite, um, and you call it a super show, a, some sort of super show, and they mm-hmm. extend their show and do a three-hour show connected. You do a Dynamite and Rampage back-to-back on Friday. Would TNT have given them that much time? Because that's the other maybe, thing. Maybe like not. you said, FS1 probably gave WWE the keys and then... Is Turner doing that on TNT yeah, may, or TBS? Maybe not. I don't know what they're running this. What they're running Fridays now. Usually Fridays are pretty safe. It on better Twitter. not be another. It better not be Rush Hour Two again. It's it's often right Rush now. Hour. Let's be honest. TNT runs more Rush <laughs> Hour than they run basketball. <laughs> it's true. So this week's episode, obviously, so we're all over the place. Hour. Not a ton to do with AEW this week, um, but we'll preview Crown Jewel and and obviously we started off already with tons on this matchup on Friday night. Um, Rosenbergbeats at gmail.com is your email uh, inbox. We'll get to that in just a few. Let's run over this line um, lineup for Crown Jewel, which is next Thursday at 11 o'clock on WWE Network. Uh, On Peacock, by the way, to you and me. 11 a.m. too, by the way. 11 a.m. Real quick, I should know this. Hold on, I have an email right here. No, of course, the time's not in here. Is 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 the main show eleven, or is kickoff well, eleven? The kickoff is eleven. The main it show, says main Thursday noon. twelve p.m. Eastern time. Got it. So kickoff show, show at, kick 11 at eleven, and main show at noon. I wish I didn't have real jobs. Well, zero. The kickoff the kickoff show is the main show. Facts. What you just said. Facts. It's it's the kickoff uh, show is the main show. I'll be I'll be doing that with Caleb Braxton and Matt Camp in the um, Stanford studios, um, and then the the main commentary team. Pat McAfee announced he's not traveling recently for that. You know what they do? They always go back to this team for Saudi, which is Byron Graves, Cole. Corey Graves, and yeah, which I think works actually for those shows. Truth be told, yeah, they're all polished. This is this is what they've been doing. Yeah. I, I I have no problem. Also, you know, I, I think I still think they do a great job together. Um, even though, you know, McAfee's been doing a great job. I still think McAfee could learn something from Graves when it comes to balancing the tempering your excitement throughout a show. You know, um, 
This is something me and Kaz argue about all the time because Kaz is like, I mean, he's on Twitter like, if Pat McAfee speaks, he puts it into the Hall of Fame. You know, I absolutely, <laughs> I adore Pat McAfee, the person, and I really enjoy his his broadcasting. I still think there are times, though, when I'm like, he needs to learn to pick the moments and not crush it for three straight hours. You can't tell Kaz anything. Pat McAfee could go on the air, just turn his mic on and, and lay on it, and he... Kaz giving it five stars, six in Japan. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm sort of agreeing with you on the McAfee thing, though. Like what he actually says and the words that come out of his mouth are always perfect. He's he's very clever. He's smart. The things that he says to the crowd when you're there for a live show oh, and fantastic. the way he plays to the crowd, he's brilliant. But on commentary, when you're watching at home, my issue with him is that he's always on 10. He doesn't like switch gears and you don't get like a serious voice. You don't know. No, you got everything is like you got to just keep it at a five for a lot of the ever. show. And and the, the truth is what he needs to work on, in my in my opinion, is the stuff that's the easiest to, to fix. Like he has the intangibles that you're just either born with or you're not like Pat right. has those. And that's that's why when I heard him the first time, I was like, oh, he's good. <laughs> he he. This is a hard job, and Pat has it. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think that for these big main events, if you, on a pay-per-view, you cannot treat every single match like it's the main event on the pay-per-view. You have to let the, the, the main event speak for the main event. But listen, we also don't know how he's being coached, et cetera, et cetera. Either way, it won't matter at, the, at, at uh, Crown Jewel because it's going to be the old team of Gravy, Saxton, Cole. So um, real quick, I, I got the impression from Raw this week that they are... Um, that we were going to see uh, some intensity between Mansoor and Mustafa Ali. think they made pretty clear that they want Mustafa Ali to be booed at the show next week. <laughs> Listen, it was going to happen anyway. Mansoor, I believe, is undefeated at these Crown Jewel events. He's from the city that's hosting the event. He's, he's stone cold at Crown Jewel, basically. So like, where do you think they put that? Where do you think they, where do you think they put that match on the show? <laughs> I mean, if this show were happening in Chicago, it's not even Chicago because Mustafa Ali's Mustafa Ali's from Chicago. But if that if this match happened in the states, this is a solid show opener. But over there, uh, it could this be. This is probably like it's probably like this into the SmackDown Women's Championship match into the Universal Championship match. Something, something like, like that. Boom, boom, boom. I, I think you're right. All right, r- let's hit the card real quick. Um, Mansoor and Mustafa Ali in a singles match. Edge and Seth Rollins. Hell in a Cell. When did they make that Hell in a Cell? He challenged him on Friday. Seth did not accept the challenge, but Seth also looked surprised. That he challenged him to a hell in a cell, which is, let's just be honest, Seth Seth bit off more than he can chew here. He had too much dip on his chip. He showed up at the man's house and now is shocked that that Edge wants him locked in hell in a cell. Yeah, I think once you show up to someone's house, that's it's yeah pretty fair game to expect the worst. Then we're gonna have the um <laughs> the Queen's Crown tournament final and the King of the Ring tournament final. I'm glad Dip isn't here to crush these tournaments, even though I think they are very worthy of intense criticism, only because I just, I, 
I got the sense Dip was so angry this week that it would have been negative to the point of of borderline like we would have been in a bad mood by the end of the show. But I will say I got complaints from other listeners in the Cheap Heat universe who really were disappointed with the positioning of the women's matches in the Queen's Crown Tournament. They they felt that they were throwaway and not really treated as anything special. Um, I will say when you see Dewdrop versus Natalia, does it make you feel like yeah. they're really competing SGG for the best woman in the company? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Like, the Queen's Crown Tournament, it feels like a swing and a miss, at least in the opening round, right? People are, are watching the stopwatch and saying that they're not being given enough time and this and that. And, you know, these people are right. My rebuttal, though, is, like, which one of these matches do you want to see go but that's the five, problem. Ten minutes. That's the problem. Why that you, is the problem. Why are you giving us matches that you wouldn't want to see go in a tournament that, like this? That is the problem. That is the problem. And I, I'm suspecting that like part of it is that the finals have to take place in Crown Jewel. So like they're working with outside factors. Part of it could be like the simple answer is true, which is that they just didn't give this enough time or thought. Now what you're, hopefully the what you're left with here. Hopefully the finals though. As you, bad. And what you're left with is a final that will be in for the women. It'll be Zelina or Carmella versus Shayna Baszler or Dewdrop. Yeah. Uh, listen, if do if Dewdrop wins, we riot. <laughs> I think Dewdrop is going to be the winner, though. I think it is going to be Dewdrop, and I'll tell you why. Because with King of the Ring, and yes, there are some outliers, but with King of the Ring. Um, it has always been about like taking somebody up to that next level, right? Brett was already a champ when he won King of the Ring. He uh, actually won two King of the Rings, so he didn't. He never really needed it. Um, but these other guys usually came up from the mid card, and then you don't think for Shayna that could be worthwhile. Shayna was already an NXT champion, super dominant. That's been enough of a calling card for the other women on the main roster. I think adding Queen of the Ring to her resume would be great. But I feel like the women's division, they need they need new people. The four horsemen have been the sun, the moon, and the stars of the women's division for so long that eventually they're going to have to look at other people. Now, Bianca's in the mix, yes. Asuka's in the mix. But that's literally two other people. Shane is getting there, and they need more people. Nia's there. So do drop. Nia is there. Nia go, goes up and, like, Nia yeah, she, fluctuates. She, but Yeah, she fluctuates. But they need they need people who are going to be like solid. Well, let me just like, say this: the the winner should be then, according to what you're saying, then the winner should be Zelina. To me, Zelina with that crown, as as especially as like a heel who can talk, that elevates her character. She has now something to really go with, and I think she could use that in the same way Baron Corbin was able to use the crown for basically a year of story. I think that yeah. I think Zelina, rather than just using her the way she's been used, which is comes out, cuts a great promo, and jobs to whoever she faces, this is something that could make her character more meaningful. And I don't get it, man. Zelina, I understand she's not like big or physically imposing, but she's a good enough worker in the ring. She's amazing on the mic. She has a phenomenal look. She's incredibly charismatic. She has a great story in real life, and you could utilize her to be sort of a front-facing person for the brand. Right. 
She she can work well for your um, Latinx demo, which is a big part of WWE's demo. Like, I don't see why Zelina Vega isn't the person, perfect person to do this. And to me, it would feel a little too soon for Dewdrop. And damn it, why is her name Dewdrop? Like, let's just be honest. That's what makes <laughs> yeah. this, that's what makes the whole thing whack. If she was... I don't know why her name, <laughs> why her name is that, that is the biggest issue we have here. Because, let's be real, if, if you go back in a time machine, and her name's Piper Niven... We feel differently about it than we do with it being Dewdrop. It goes to show how much a name change can really change a character and the way you think of them and talk about them. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true because she's still this mage individual that she always was. She can still go. And I think when they put it with Eva Marie and found out that she can talk on the mic as well, they were like, well, we don't need to. we don't even need to saddle her with anybody. We can just let her do her thing. Um, and now she's still saddled with Dewdrop. Yeah, now she's now she's still saddled with Dewdrop. Yeah, this Queen's Crown is tough, though. I mean, hopefully the matches get more competitive. I honestly don't think they will until Crown Jewel. And I don't think it's going to be Zelina. I think it's going to be Carmella. Carmella, Carmella versus Dewdrop? Well, Carmella is... We know, I think it's going to be Carmella because... We know that she's somebody who can actually put on a compelling competitive match because she's been given the chance to. Mm. And she succeeded with uh with Charlotte, with Sasha Banks, you know, with Naomi, with with tons of opponents. So I think she's gonna be the one that they trust to do that again at Crown Jewel. I could see Carmella versus Shayna. Me too. And then Shayna win. I would assume Shayna wins. By the way, Carmella would be great with the queen with the crown too. Just don't know that she needs it at this point. Carmella has cachet in her character. All right, let's keep moving yeah, here. She- um, King of the Ring final, um, which will be Sammy or Finn versus Jinder or Xavier. Um, I think that all of these characters could benefit, maybe Finn the least. Um, you know, Finn has his sort of alternate character. He could He's be- a prince already. He doesn't need to be a king True. now, too. He's already the prince. True. Um, Sammy would be fun. Sammy, to me, is a great fit for King of the Ring. And I think Xavier would be fun too. Um, did you? Did I know people were upset that we didn't get uh, Xavier, or that we won't be getting Xavier and Kofi in this next round coming up on Monday. Yeah, whatever. People would have been upset then if they had a match too. Neither should win. They should be best friends forever. You know, people are very emotional when you talk about New Day having fight matches with each other. By the way, what a week! What a week last weekend for uh, Big E. Yeah, you know, whirlwind. He's he's doing appearances on ESPN, College Game Day. He's at the big Iowa game, his alma mater. He does the intros, the voice, the, the he voiced the and, and not only voiced was on camera too for the intros for Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury for their big fight. Big Great whirlwind weekend. Yeah, really entertaining fight, and Big E got to be right in smack dab in the middle. They showed him in the crowd. Speaking of Big E, he will take on Drew McIntyre um, for the WWE Championship. Listen, I, I I don't have a lot to say about this match, except if Drew wins, we riot. That That's all there is yeah. to um, That would be crazy. I'm on the first thing smoking to Saudi if Drew wins. Drew still needs more distance from that championship, man. I I by the way, it really dawned on me. Drew is becoming 
a really good heel. If if they turn him, he's yo, he's so annoying his character to me. <laughs> and by the way, just again, because I know people get confused. I love Drew. I really do. He's a sweetheart. He is a great dude. We're, we're critiquing the TV show, guys. But on the TV <laughs> not, show, not personal. On the TV show, he's so holier than thou. He was obnoxious to Big E this week when he said, No, you can't speak for me. You Cut him off. Me. He he is really naturally, I don't know if it's intentional or someone's just doing a bad job, but he is becoming a bad guy. Drew McIntyre is becoming a bad guy, and I, this is the perfect time. I would love to see, if you want to make Drew and Big E compelling, and for some reason they wanted to keep this going for a few weeks, let Drew fully turn during this match and go underhanded terrible to Big E. That could all of a sudden, I would all of a sudden go from, I don't care about this at all, to you tweak Drew just 50%. Boom, I'm interested. Now I'm interested. Yeah. I'm I'm with you 100 percent And honestly, Drew's gotta stab Big E. Or yeah, at least that's attempt it. to that's stab it. him. Because you know, he, he, he can't keep showing up with this sword and not doing anything. Now nah, he's gotta go for like, the he sword. He waves it around. He's gotta somebody, go for the sword and then Xavier has Xavier has to run in, like pull Big E out or something. Like something. I agree. <laughs> why why are you walking on Triple H didn't just carry around the sledgehammer, okay? Someone was catching right. a sledgehammer. Every time somebody showed up with a thing, somebody somebody caught it. So this sword that he walks around, Angela, Angela needs some action. Facts. Um, I, I speaking of Triple uh, H, I've been watching more two thousand three, um, two thousand four. Man, early evolution is so good. They're like, to me, I might argue evolution is like the last remnant of sort of attitude era cool feeling before we got into like true ruthless aggression, even though technically it is ruthless aggression. Man, evolution, Flair is still young enough. Like you thought of him as so old then, but now you go back and watch it and you're like, he's still young enough to be like, have a, a different kind of cool to him. Triple H had finally found his cool energy and like wasn't sort of the late 90s cool but goofy douchey vibe. He'd kind of gotten into his real cool the boss. game. He was a he boss was... vibe. And Randy is like, I mean, the illest rookie of all time. Like, <laughs> it's incredible. And this is all pre-Batista. They were just... Fight. The three of them were. Doesn't Batista show up at the same time as Randy though, or didn't Batista did Batista get injured or something? Or like maybe that? it's just when Batista's out. Because I know Batista did get injured at one point pretty early into the run. So because it felt when I was but the ones I've been watching, I felt like he's not there because he wasn't there yet. He was he was there. He was the deacon with D, with Devon. Right. He was he was right the, no, the same oh yeah time he's definitely was, he's definitely in the company so. Uh, you know what? I got to go back and watch the the debut episode because you may be absolutely right. So maybe he got hurt early, but he's not gone yet. No, and it's evolution was such a well put together faction that because, like you said, all the pieces were there. You had the mastermind. You had the veteran, you had the rookie, and then you had like the powerhouse. 
because Batista was just unstoppable. Still is. I don't even know why I'm saying was. You you ring his you ring the bell and set off his music now. He's still unstoppable. Randy Orton joined Triple H, Flair, and Batista in attacking Scott Steiner to complete to complete the group. That's on January twentieth, two thousand three. Um. On May twenty sixth. Orton attacked Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash after a two-on-one handicap match with Michaels and blah, 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 blah. So I'm trying to just see where Batista went out. Either way, they're just badass, bro. It's it's that early era evolution is really basically the whole thing. Their logo is pretty fire, too. If you really yeah. look at their logo, I felt like the shirts didn't do it quite do it justice exactly. It was like a car emblem. Yeah. They did it like a car a car emblem. It was almost just right. I think you know what they, they should have done? I think the writing in evolution is like, if you're going to make it a car emblem, then the writing can't be sort of sloppy. The writing has to be very straight across. I think that could have been better. But it's got like two chicks. Or, it's, it's very interesting. But yeah. <laughs> anyway, shout out to evolution. That was a great time. All right, let's keep going through this uh, Crown Jewel card real quick. Uh, we got through Biggie and Drew McIntyre. RK Bro versus AJ and Omos. I think there's a chance the title changes here. I do too, and I think I think it's going to be Riddle's fault. Yeah. When we finally get that Riddle-Randy feud that people have been wanting since they, since they formed. That could be that could be a that could be the spot for it. I don't. I'm, I won't be mad if they keep the RK Bro thing going without them splitting still for longer. Um, I'm the thing is, or it could be the other way, and it could be the beginning of the split between AJ and Omos, which has to happen at some point. Or you know, that's been a while. Yeah, I feel like the RK Bro thing is you know further along. It's not the AJ. That's interesting because it's not technically. No, I mean AJ and Omos have been around longer, but. That dissension, like, and and Riddle just being annoying, has pushed them to the point where, like, if they broke up, you can see the whys. You know what I mean? You can look back and see, like, okay, Randy not being out being out there fast enough on Monday, or, or you know, Riddle just generally being annoying in the backstage promos are the reasons why this happened when it did. Versus if AJ and Omos break up now, then. It might feel a little rushed, even though they've been together longer. Then you got Becky, the champion, versus Bianca and Sasha, triple threat for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. And then, of course, Roman and Paul Heyman versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. And I guess that is really... uh, not exactly sure what happens here. And most importantly, I guess the main question is, do we think that we get some sort of re- resolution in the Paul Heyman story with Brock Lesnar? Yeah, that's the that's the thing, right? Like you said, not entirely sure what happens, but I know whatever happens is going to be Paul Heyman's fault. And I'm hoping that the resolution is that Brock Lesnar gets packed up and that Paul Heyman comes to his senses and is a Roman Reigns guy through and through. But that's that's the... 
That's the best part of this match is that I really have no idea. I but I just know that so Paul goes, that's where the Universal Championship is going. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully they um they come up with a good good place to take this story. Um very curious cuz I don't see Roman losing to Brock Lesnar, right? So that's not something I foresee. Um not now, right? They're not going to do some back and forth with the title. So the question is does Heyman does Heyman end up switching over to Team Brock at Crown Jewel? My guess is no. I think if something like that like that happens, it will happen on TV. It will not happen at Crown Jewel. Just that's just my thought. Um, all right, SGG, we got to be up out of here. Oh, I, okay, hold on. SGG just had to sign off. He work calls. Let me hit a couple of emails before we uh, wrap today's show, shall we? There we go. Mail. Um, dear Chief Heat Crew, aka three great guys. Can you offer serious dialogue centered around AEW? I've been a WWE fan since the late nineties. Was born in ninety three, so I caught a lot of the Attitude Era, and I consider myself a true fan of wrestling. With all that being said, I don't get the appeal of AEW. Different strokes for different folks. I get it. Trust me, but personally, I don't get the hype. The roster is overpacked with wrestlers, just like WWE. He says. Diehard Marks on Twitter hype these guys that casual fans such as myself have no idea about, and I watch them, and I'm just not thoroughly impressed. Storylines are non-existent. Hot-shotting matches for the sake of it. As y'all like to say, we need something going on, and AEW confuses me. Has CM Punk explained why he wants to face younger guys on the roster? Brian Danielson is going after Omega because it's a dream match? MJF had a feud with Brian Pillman Jr. because he bullied his aunt? These are weak storylines. WWE hasn't been great either, but they can still hit storylines when they're motivated. What has AEW's best storyline been this past two years? Has it truly captivated casual fans? Final thought, AEW is a show for hardcore fans, but if AEW really wants to consider themselves competition to WWE, they have to pull in casuals, and I just don't see that being a thing. They're dropping the ball on CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, etc., etc., uh, on top of the NBA coming back soon. It's going to be a tough six months for AEW, and I truly feel like they haven't made that much progress to get the hype they get. Anywho, y'all are great. Keep up the great guys. Keep up being great guys. P.S. Can we get a heat and great one day in Boston? Please and thanks. Um, that's a strong email. A little on the negative side. But um, there are some interesting points there. I agree. Storytelling has not been at the forefront of AEW. Okay? For me, the appeal of AEW is the feel and some specific talents, right? So it's it's the feel of the show, the look, the aesthetic, the the wrestling of it all, right? There's that part that I think is super appealing. And to to a certain fan base, myself included, I enjoy it. There's, you know, some very basic stuff like having Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, voices people know, nostalgic voices, Excalibur's very good. Um, there's frankly being back on Turner that has a certain nostalgia for people, right? 
But then also you're talking about guys like Kenny Omega who are special, whether you love his act right now or not. Kenny Omega is special. Jericho's run has been a lot of fun. MJF is a character people did not know who they've fallen in love with or fallen in hate with either way. Darby Allen is someone people have never seen before. People already loved John Moxley, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. So when you put that together, the fact of the matter is they, it was a brilliant strategy. They gave you a different look and feel and stole some of your favorites from WWE. I, I don't think it's that crazy. I agree with you. I don't think the storytelling has been great. I cannot tell you which story I find to be amazing. I liked Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. I'll say that. I li- and I don't think they're done with that story, but I've enjoyed the relationship of Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. But I don't think they have done a fantastic job with storytelling at AEW. I don't. I think that's a really reasonable argument to make. Um, but I am also surprised you wouldn't enjoy this given the talent that they have there. Like, regardless of whether the, the new people who you're like, oh, I don't really care about that person, I don't think that's special. Okay, I, I hear that. That's that's fine. But I'm surprised that CM Punk and Daniel Bryan and people like that don't get you, you know, whatever. M- 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 Excited. M- 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 male. Ryan says, chime in just to say, watching Dip's face every time someone said something nice about him on the YouTube live draft was cringeworthy. Dip's a great guy, but that was embarrassing. Why is that embarrassing? He's already told us he's deeply affected when he gets negative comments. So why would you be surprised that? Uh, why would you be surprised that he gets excited to get good comp- uh, comments? Trevor says, "Hey, gents, absolutely loving the draft. Pete, you started strong with your pick. Dip started slow and and started coming up." Team contortion was steady. Truth be told, I'm still listening to the episode, but next year's draft has to be an event. Tell the tell the Ainsworth, he said Ainsley, tell the Ainsworth to get ready for, wait for it, the first ever Cheap Heat draft live. Um, sorry to recommend homework, but would love to hear some storylines for the first ever fantasy pay-per-view after you've made your picks on next week's show. Well, I didn't get to that in time. It's a good idea. P.S. Will there be... Great guy tees. Cheap heat merch should be popping more. Other possible tea ideas. I'm a stat guy. Not bad. Mage on one side, repug on the back, and stay mage. Cheap heat had so many one-liners and drops. Second only to the K-Show. Oh, thank you. Uh, this episode was another good one that sparked many ideas for the Cheap Heat universe to grow. Continue to be safe and take care. Thank you, man. Shouts to Sir Trev in Brooklyn. Guys, we love you and appreciate you. Dip will be back next week. Um, and like I said, I think it'll end up being probably a review. If I'm being truthful, I think it'll end up being a review of crown jewel as opposed to a, uh, you know, day of, um, and certainly we, we previewed it pretty thoroughly today. So we love you. Take it easy, man. Enjoy yourself. And Rosenberg beats at gmail.com. Be safe, everyone. wrestler in the history of the art form. Mitch. Mitch.